What it is, what is up, what is good, gamers? This is Shonuff71, a.k.a. Digadulamite. Purple bling bling, y'all. And your auditory canals tuned into episode 225 of the Gaming Vessels Podcast. Of course, I'm not in the, in the digital studio alone. Along with me, got my partners in crime. First on deck, it's Dez, aka the Bay Area Terror, aka the High Res Lover. That's me. Aka the Cat Daddy, aka that gamer step daddy. What's going on, man? Mm, not much, actually. Just happy to be back. Happy to be uh, better from a cold that I had. <laughs> so no COVID. Just a just a pretty bad cold. Uh, but yeah, I'm happy to be here. Um, thank you so much to everyone for, uh, you know, your patience. I know we were gone, uh, last week I was in, uh, New York. So I'll be talking about that in my playlist. So please stay tuned. Okay. Okay. And of course our show is a no go without Trader Joe, AKA Jabroni chief. Yeah. Yeah. That's me. (laughs) But you might also know him as the Food Max of Gaming, who can maximize your gaming dollar. What's up? Not much, man. Uh, just uh, scrambling before we're recording. You know, I've been, I have demand of many headsets over here. And, uh, you know, my preferred podcasting headset is down for the count because of a dongle, a lost dongle. So it's like, you know, that's what she said. But, uh, you know. You should be able to stay at, stay abreast of what your dongles are. Yes, I should. You know, it no. might be actually at work. I'm not sure. I actually brought the head, headset to work to say, hey, I might be able to use this at work. So I'd be like Mr. Microphone and walking around with a wireless headset. Hey, where's all the meetings at? All right. I can see that. Hey. But, Mr. Headset. Okay. Yeah. Scary. Yes, but uh, everything's all good. Um, enjoyed this little like little res- respite as far as from recording, you know. Um, but uh, I-, I have played other things besides Division One and Two. Ha ha! I I cannot wait to hear what those things were. Yeah, we're gonna have to get an update on that, which takes place right now because, as always, our first topic on our docket is gonna be the playlist. All right, so I guess, well, Trader Joe, since you've been playing something other than Division, I think you've uh, you've earned the, yeah. the right to go first. <laughs> what okay. you been playing? No one here. This madness. <laughs> there's there's not a lot of madness actually. So um, basically, I finished what I wanted to do with Division One on playing on Xbox Series X, and so uh, you know I, I could have kept pushing on in the game but basically i've gotten to the in-game content and uh you know unfortunately i just decided you know that um out of the one and that was great to go back to that particular game but uh since basically um you know there was a listener impetus on division two uh, with john bt uh and uh, goonie on there, I pretty much have decided to go ahead and stick with Division 2 as far as, you know, getting my Division fix, quote-unquote. So, 
but Division Two just seems so damn excellent. Just playing it and just reacquainting myself and just that that like uh, sensation of picking up loot, you know, and and you know, killing and just doing all the wonderful side missions and content in Division Two. So it's just it's it's great to go back. I mean, I have 400 plus hours in the game. You know, um, you know, I went ahead and I played with John BT a little bit two game nights ago, but uh, the game night prior to that, uh, basically, is we talked about on last episode, we were going to play like a different game, and I set Dragon's Crown Pro as being the new game of choice, if need be, but unbeknowing to me, you have to go through a, a considerable amount of um, tutorial in that game before you're able to play online, so... So we wound up, um, it was uh, me, John BT, and Goonie um, on game night that uh, he wound up downloading Division 2, and we helped level Goonie up a little bit. So I've wow. been playing with Goonie uh, last couple nights. He's so playing offi- right now. So Officer, Ju- so Officer Goonie has joined, has joined the squad, huh? You got it, yeah. Yikes. Yep. You know, so and talking to Goonie, I mean, basically he said that he's playing it because, you know, we've been playing it. Otherwise, he wouldn't play. He, he enjoys these types of games because it allows him to decompress and not have to think, which you know, it's like oh. maybe that's the same for me. I would like to say I, I think while I'm playing Division, but at the same time, it's going back and getting familiar with mechanics that you've played for hundreds of hours. And so it's just uh I just feeling feeling the the wonderfulness of just uh, how everything is and whatnot. You know, I've been playing with my uh, Inzone H9 headset from Sony, uh, doing solo play, and I'm really enjoying that headset. You know, I think that was the headset. If listeners, you might have remembered. God forbid if you did uh, that I picked up the H7s and I thought they were trash, but. Um, I was able to tune these up, and I really enjoy those head heads, headphones. Those headphones are just, like, great noise canceling. Sounds like, you know, just everything, especially with after all the EQ settings I applied to it, just it just very atmospheric for uh, story-based games or solo play, if need be. Uh, the mic on that thing is trash, though, so it's like, <laughs> okay, I can't get everything, I guess, so. Um, other games I have been playing, though, um, you know, I alluded to, I played the tutorial a little bit for Dragon's Crown Pro on there. That's the Vanillaware game that was initially on PS3 and was brought out on PS4. And I dabbled with it previously, but I never got past the tutorial. And lo and behold, I'm in the tutorial again. But uh, I still off as a game night game if you guys are interested you know I don't, kevin i don't know if you've delved into that game that much at all or yeah i've i've got the uh i had the ps3 i still have my vita copy uh so yeah i i'm pretty familiar with dragon's crown it's a good it's a fun game yeah I mean, I was thinking of other games possibly to play that don't require, like, you know, hours of, uh, you know, setting up as far as tutorials and whatnot before opening up the multiplayer. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I know John BT kind of suggested, you know, we play some more Broforce, which Broforce is always good. So, and uh, I was looking through uh, the PlayStation Network um, games, the list of games, and I saw... 
Contra Rogue Core, which is known as being kind of a trashy ass game, but and since it's on service and it's multiplayer, you know, who doesn't want to play as a mechanized like you know robotic panda with with you know double machine guns? I mean, yeah. So <laughs> so that that's on the docket uh, for a future game night. But uh, I also played. Uh, I initially started the game when Dez was in town prior to him going over to New York Comic Con, but uh, I played a little bit of Fate Samurai Revenant. So this is the game from uh, Omega Force, uh, brought out on the PlayStation 5 and the Switch, PS4 as well, on there. And it's like a story based Muso, basically. And so. Um, I threw it on, and Desmond was watching me play, and, you know, there's a lot of uh, story exposition at the beginning of the game, so much so that I think what, well, I was playing for, like, at least an hour and a half before yeah, I was 90 minutes. to save. Yeah, so. Before you got to a save point. Yep. It's crazy exposition. I was like, damn, and it just, it just kept going. So were you, were you like, watching... Uh exposition or were we actually playing the game no you were playing i I was playing yeah so but there was a i play a little bit then uh more story sequences you know Mm. great cutscenes, great music i mean art style it's just yeah it's a lot of it to start out the game at least so so I happened to throw it on today a little bit just to refamiliarize myself a little bit since the last time because Desmond was over my place like literally it was almost like two weeks ago, um, you know. And so I was it yeah two weeks ago yeah, it was a while ago yeah. So it's pretty much I threw it on. Uh, I was having a little bit of trouble remembering the mechanics because I played so few as far as the story sequence you know between the story sequences on there but uh, i'm still like you know give re-familiarizing myself with the game but uh, this a whole plot line of the story very anime-ish of course you have these uh you know ancient beings that you know you you play as the son of uh, miyamoto mashashi and basically uh are destined to uh, control these for lack of better word like stands like you know these ancient warriors that you know um bow to your command if need be and then there is a particular if i could look it up so is this like jojo no they're they're actual characters in and of themselves but they're all marked so all the people like the protagonist has a mark on them and they can summon these these super powerful warriors and the main character has his warrior's name is saber and it's this sort of upstart uh boyish girl who is like super powerful and um and and basically she's like there to protect him but he's like you know i can protect myself and stuff and so you kind of run around together with her and so and and fight you know hordes hordes of enemies a la dynasty warriors style but the thing about it is you can actually cast magic and there's different sword stances that you can do. So there's sword stances that you can do that you use when you're fighting a multitude of people. And then you have sword stances that you can do when fighting solo or one-on-one with people. And so yeah. when you when you switch stances, though, if you've powered up, you know, your stance or whatever, your 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 inner inner chi, let's say, 
uh, when you transfer it out, you do like a burst move within the new um, stance. And so that you can get a bunch of different stances, I guess, and learn a bunch of different magic. And it's just, there's there's like a lot of systems upon systems that that they kind of dole out to you so it's it's a little bit more in depth than a traditional um dynasty warriors game and the story in and of itself is just really like it's it's a lot it's a lot it's not bad don't get me wrong it's not bad And, and the people that you meet are really kind of enduring in the time that that I got to watch it. I actually even thought about picking up the game to see what was going on because it's, it's really not that bad. Like I, I was like, this is not a bad story either. So it'll be, so interesting is this, in the, is this in the fate stay night universe? No, no, it's, 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 it's its own separate thing. Uh, it just happens to have that moniker. So it's not related to any of the other fate um, stuff. As, as as far as we can tell, what we even with them, even with your stand name Saber, that's the same one that's been in all the others. It's not in the same universe. No, I think I think it's just the names are the same, but it's supposed to be something completely separate, set in feudal Japan um, during the Edo era era. So everyone's fighting everyone, and it's you know that's, that's oh, so you're not you're not in you're not in pursuit of the uh, the uh, what is it the Chalice of Destiny. They well, called it. They haven't brought not, it up yet. Yeah, this is that there's a Holy Grail war, basically. Oh, the Holy they're, Grail, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Grail. and they're doing what's called the Waxing Moon ritual. They basically have seven pairs of masters and servants, and you play. Yeah, that's like masters. straight up fate. <laughs> yeah, so. but I guess it's supposed to be different because it's not. It's not. It's not attached to any of the prior games, though. So the 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 base mechanic might be the same it's a different story about different people so so while the so while the and and again i could be wrong but but from from what i understood you didn't need to play any of the other games in order to play this game to understand what was going on so it's a self-contained story it just kind of lifts heavily from the the classic fate um motif you know yeah okay okay so it's kind of yeah. like a fanfic by the people that made the original games. Pretty much. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a, it's a Megaforce, and so it's done by the the director of the game. It's the same guy that, that directed um, the Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, basically. So It just looks uh, so yeah. much better than that game, though. So. Yeah, I, I picked it up, too. I haven't uh, I haven't played started it up yet. So be just, prepared. Yeah, just sit down and just be ready for the exposition dump. And then once it's over, I think the character design looks great. I think the characters look great in it. And the sound is uh, is really fun. So I'm, I'm, I might actually pick it up, too. So I was like, this is actually not bad. Okay, okay. So, yeah, I uh, played that. I also um, picked up a game called Blazing Chrome on there. So, and uh, if you looked at this game and, and saw it in action, uh, basically it's almost like a uh, love letter to Contra, specifically Contra Hardcore, if you can remember the uh, Genesis version of Contra that was out on that platform. And so it basically, you know, it's like, looks like a love child between uh, Contra 3 and uh, Contra Hardcore, basically. So, and, uh, you know, you have multiple character classes. That remind me, 
at least the two that are open at least right now kind of the same character design that was in contra hardcore and basically the game's almost like a straight rip rip from that game as well probably not as hard but i played i played the easy difficulty mode just to get used to the uh game mechanics if need be but it's literally just a contra game <laughs> on there so i would definitely recommend picking it up i picked it up on a sale because it was literally just like i think six dollars on psn so so I went ahead and I just grabbed it on there. Yeah, it's five dollars and nine cents right now. So, hmm. okay. not bad. So, yeah. So it's a PS4 game, but you know, obviously, should play equally as well on PS4 or PS5 on here. It does have some co-op gameplay. You do have some characters to unlock on here, and it's that classic running gun gameplay on there. So, and you could even jump into a mech at one point on there. So on there so i definitely would recommend it i don't know if this is multiplayer online it seems like a game like that would probably not work well uh in a online portion at least um speaking of not working well in an online group we attempted to play more tmnt online and kept getting drops um, you know that's actually so yeah so, you know, the recent TMNT game is on PlayStation Network, and obviously uh, me, Goonie, and John kept playing and kept experience, if need be. So so we kind of shelved it, unfortunately. So so hopefully, uh, you know, if I do go back to that, you know, we won't have us uh, any issues. But, you know, it could be my booty-booty-ass internet, you know, only got 100 down. So, you know. But you should be able to play that game without a problem. Yep. Yeah. Wasn't there supposed to be like a uh, a patch to go along with the Musashi Yojimbo update? That's a possibility, yeah. I was playing the PS5 version, you know, because that was the version that was available on PlayStation Plus. So, so hopefully, you know, I'll have to circle back, take a look at that, maybe um, play with the same group and see if we have connection problems. Maybe there was just internet issues that night or whatnot. Well, so. when we, did when we did together, one of them have the Yojimbo and the other ones playing the base game? I don't know. That might be an issue, too. I had to make sure that, you know, I was i was playing the ps5 version so well when we were playing when we were playing we didn't have a problem at all so i that's why i'm kind of surprised that there would be a problem with it yeah yeah i don't Um, remember any issues yeah well hopefully we'll fire that up and see how it goes but it was goonie's internet yeah we'll blame (laughs) goonie officer goonie no uh goonie says he has uh comcast gigabit so Oh, and John, high on that internet hog. What? John, 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 same thing. He lives in Kentucky, so Kentucky, you know, or he lives in Tennessee. My bad. That uh, he has good internet over in his neck of the woods as well. Yeah. So that's probably yours. Yeah, probably my booty booty ass internet, but mm-hmm. <laughs> terrible. Speaking of booty booty, well, how was your New York Comic Con experience, Des? Oh my God, it was great. <laughs> no, so no, actually, it was really, it was really fun. You know, we went there and we were there from Wednesday to Monday, and uh, I spent uh, Thursday through Sunday at the con. And uh, one thing that I realized straight off the bat is that uh, 
the 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 mind wants to, but the spirit and the mind want to, but the body says hell no. So <laughs> so I walked uh, around that first that first day on Thursday. Whoo! I saw everything for the most part, except for the um. I didn't see the um. Artist Alley because it's it's at the Javits Center in New York City. Uh, sorry, in uh, Manhattan. So um, you go in there and this is this beautiful uh, convention center or, or center, and there's this huge floor, um, and there's you can actually see door uh, light coming in and it's just a very it's like a more of an open air kind of uh event it's it's really nice it's a very very nice uh con in the way that it is and the way that it is set up and structured uh, another really cool thing about it is uh there's no convention food and by that i mean you know usually the conventions that you go to will have an area where you can go and get food and you know it'll be like pizza or something you know easy to make no at the end of most aisles was a was a food cart of some sort selling some kind of food like you could you could get sushi there you could get um uh ramen you could get you know uh chinese food you could get all this and there were all these little carts selling specific thing you get popcorn you could get you know flavored nuts you could get um different types of you know um there's no alcohol but you could get um you know korean barbecues all this crazy stuff that they had that you could that you could just buy and and then you know eat on the floor or take it outside or take it to the, they had this nice, it was like five stories and basement. And so there was all these really cool areas for you to sit and just chill out. Um, just a really nice uh, atmosphere uh, for everybody. Uh, really, really awesome cosplay folks um, got to, uh, and one of the cool things that separates it from Comic-Con is that Comic-Con is a, really about exclusives and it's about uh, networking. Not to say that uh, New York Comic-Con isn't, but it doesn't have as much of a focus on industry. Uh, by that, I mean like TVs and movies and stuff like that. It's much more comic book oriented, uh, which I really liked. And I was able to see uh, tons and tons of more comic book stuff there's a lot more anime stuff as well, which was very interesting. A lot more anime stuff, a lot more anime figures, um, just a lot of just a really big variation of stuff. A little bit more varied than Comic Con, even um, because Comic Con does this very specific thing very well. It is a it is a pop culture con, meaning you get not just comics, you get everything. Uh, New York Comic Con is a comic book convention, you know, and I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, the floor was just fantastic, and and as the as the days progressed, of course, uh, it got more and more crowded. With with it culminating on Saturday, just being just crazy amounts of people, lots and lots of cool cosplay. They have this really um, the doors that go, go in. There's this open area where people can just stand around and take tons and tons of pictures with various different cosplay people and, you know, so many different Mario's so many different, um, 
X-Men and, and Bat Family people. It was just a really, really fun uh, experience. And then the Artist Alley, uh, which is where all of the artists and writers and people who create comic books, they're – it's funny. They're technically in the basement, but it's this huge room that is like twice the size of New York Comic Con uh, – sorry, of Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con's uh, Artist Alley. It's just – huge with the amount of people and i met so many people that i've never actually met before who don't go to the west coast to go to san diego comic-con you know and it was just really fun like I, you know I, I got some comics i got some original artwork um bought a ton of ultraman figures i'm a huge ultraman fan and I, I i splurged on ultraman figures because i actually i absolutely love ultraman and the ultraman folks they they showed out they did a uh they did a panel where they talked uh to the people who are the voice actors for the newest ultraman series ultraman blazar and it was just it's just it was just fantastic and then they and then they actually had a live show and by a live show i mean in japan they have basically choreographed fight scenes between Ultramen, various different Ultramen, and their kaiju counterparts. And it's fantastic. And they did something like this. It was the first time they did it at Comic-Con, for, for my knowledge, and it was fantastic. The new Ultraman Blazar came out and fought, you know, other kaijus, and and they had a, a special little episode where they had the, the Japanese actors, you know, uh, performing on the screen they were not there they were performing on the screen and then they would say you know now it's time to turn into ultraman and so he would turn into ultraman and then ultraman would run out you know like like sting with the with, with the chair <laughs> and they'd start fighting and stuff and you know lots of acrobatics it was like a it was like a wrestling match without a without a ring and it was just it was just fantastic just fantastic Gotta get my picture taken. I was with Ultraman and Ultraman Blazar and Earth Garon and Ultra Seven. Like I was a kid in a candy store. It was it was fantastic. Such a great time. Um, I cannot wait to go again. So my plan is to go again next year. Uh, but but again, like I said at the beginning, it is it. Uh, my my body is just can't. I can't. I can't. Um, I can't take all of that. So. So I think I'm going to go for two days instead of all four, maybe Thursday and Friday, and then experience, then explore the rest of New York. Because uh, the three times that I've been to New York, I've most of the time stayed in uh, Midtown and went went south, south of uh, Midtown, so south of the park. And I really want to explore the other boroughs of New York, like Brooklyn and Queens and all this other place, because, you know, New York itself, the five boroughs is a fantastic place. And I just feel that I'm doing myself a disservice if I continue to do the same things over and over again when I go to visit. So so I will definitely go for, for at least two days of the con to get that, you know, to, to get kind of my 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 charge. But then the rest of the time I'm gonna go and explore the explore uh, <coughs> New York City. Because if you've never been to New York City, uh Manhattan or any any of the boroughs, you really should go. You really, really should go. So um had a fantastic time and then i got a cold you know i got con crud and i was uh, i was in bed for like three days afterwards just 
sick as a dog. No, didn't get COVID. Thank you know, Lord, knock on wood. But yeah, that that East Coast flu was crazy. And then Paul got sick too, which was hilarious. You know, in retrospect, he's much better now. But he actually did. He actually, he actually took a flu shot before we left, and he still got sick. So, mm-hmm. so it's pretty funny. So, but other than that, that was my time in New York. I did. I haven't really played anything, but um, I, I, I am really. I, I think I'm back. I, I took a little time off from playing video games. I really wasn't into it, but Spider-Man uh, Two came out, and so that if any game's gonna bring me back, it's it's that game right there. So I will definitely have information to share. Uh, about that game on the next episode, you know, and that's a great segue into uh, Kevin's playlist because it looks like Kevin has Spider-Man 2. Have you played it, Kev? Yeah, but real quick, did you go to the Dragon Ball? Uh, uh, what is it? The Dragon Ball? What do they call them things at the cons? Con- not conventions, but when they, you sit. Something? No, when you sit down and they have the creators come out and talk to the people. Oh, uh, uh, they okay. So they did not have anything specifically for Dragon Ball, um, because I guess there's like a they did announce. I don't know if you heard about this. Dragon Ball a, Die, I think this or Die, yeah, where they, yeah. where they all shrink down to kids. Just oh my gosh, GT again. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, we already had GT. Like when they announced <laughs> that, I was like, I thought GT wasn't canon, or is this the canon version of GT? I was so like, how are y'all gonna do this? No, they didn't have anything. To my knowledge, I didn't see anything around that for um, for Dragon Ball. They probably did, because, like I said, there are a lot of people. There are panel. a lot of people. That's what. That's the word I was looking for. Panel. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't see any panel specifically, but there probably were. Knowing knowing how uh, fervent the uh, the uh, uh, fan base is, but yeah, once they announced that it was going to be a new Dragon Ball series, and then they announced what it was going to be about, I was like, wow, I don't know if that's going to sell, buddy, but you know, good luck to you if it does. But people will buy it. I mean, they people love Dragon Ball, so we'll see. But no, that was that was my time. I had a lot of fun. Did you uh, rain like you were worried about, or how'd that go? Did it what? I'm sorry, you kind of cut out a little bit. Um, I know you're worried about the rain, the forecast. <laughs> so it rained. It was so it only rained on Saturday, of course. The most, the most, the the, the busiest day it rained, and um, but it was fine. I, I, it, it didn't, it didn't hamper anything except for trying to catch a lift or um to get a to get out of the the get away from the con because you know it it, it was really hard to get a cab or to get um a lift away from the con due to uh just the sheer amount of people who 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 were waiting for um who were waiting for lifts and you know ubers and and taxis and stuff so but but if you knew what you were doing and you could navigate it it, it was pretty okay it was just the front area was really crazy plus there were tons of people who were buying and selling um, uh, passes because you, you, there's no, they don't really, they're not like Comic-Con, so they don't really penalize anybody for buying and selling um, passes out front. And so there were a ton of people buying and selling passes and stuff. And it was funny because when it started raining, all these people popped out and were like, you know, hey, I, I got I got rain jackets, I got ponchos, 
I got this, I got that, blah, 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 blah. So like everyone was trying to have, everyone had their hustle on. Everyone had their hustle on, right? People trying to hand out free CDs, people trying to do this and do that. I was just like, damn. And and the funny thing about it was they were not all like priced correctly. You know, but by correctly, I mean they were not consistent. So this one guy was like, I got ponchos, I got a free poncho. Anyone need a poncho? Anyone want a poncho? Then it slowly went up to like, I got a poncho for like $3. I got a poncho for $3. It was one of those, one of those kind of like uh, plastic ponchos that, that, that are like in the plastic bags to kind of rip open and throw on. Mm-hmm. So he had that. And then, it, so, and then, then he was like, okay, I got these ponchos. I got the poncho for like $6. And I'm just like, a minute ago it was free. So, <laughs> so what's going on? Mm-hmm. People had their hustle. So I, I can't knock the hustle. So, but. But New York is crazy. New York is a crazy place. Definitely worth going if you haven't been. Mm-hmm. So, but that's me. All right. Uh, Jabroni Chief. What yeah. you been up to, man? Yeah. No, he already went. So what? Oh, you, it's, oh, it's oh, on, oh you that's right. I started. Yes, yeah, right. Man. Okay. <laughs> no problem. Sorry. All right. So, yeah, I'm rusty. Uh, so, far, I've been playing a little bit. Kicked off a play of Resident Evil 4 and enjoying that game. Really, the kind of the the changes that they made from the original GameCube version, I I don't think... I know RE4 has been remade to heck and back. I, I think... I can't remember all the different platforms it's come out on, but I I'm pretty sure I played one of those on... Uh, either PlayStation 3 or PlayStation 4. I can't honestly remember. Uh, I know I've played the original uh, to uh, finish that on the GameCube. I've played through one of the remakes. I can't remember which one. And I have this one for PS5. And this one is really good. The the updates that they've made to con- to the controls fantastic the use the use of the knife is improved but still irritating (laughs) because i mean it's irritating in a good way because it makes you think you can't just attack 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 with the knife the knife wears out and in the way it's set up it kind of sort of makes sense i think one of the items you can pick up eventually it might be in the uh the new game plus is a combat knife that doesn't wear out, but you have you're basically picking up, you know, knives that are in the village. So they're all rusted through and not in the best kind of best condition. So it kind of makes sense the way they've implement implemented that they've added a new item, which is um, which is called scrap and you can use the scrap to. Uh, reinforce whatever knife that you have access to. So I th- I think it's a pretty cool mechanic. You can literally parry anything with the knife. I think it depends on, like, heck, you know, like that first boss. Well, you know, he's not really – well, I guess he is a boss, You don't, although technically you don't – you can kill him if you want to expend the ammo usage, but it's probably best not to because – Although animal, ammo isn't scarce, uh, ammo is is needed. It is a it is a uh, needed resource. The dude with the 
uh, chainsaw, that first boss, once you come into the village after your police escorts murdered, you can literally parry the chainsaw with a knife. Wow. <laughs> it's, That's a powerful knife. Yeah. <laughs> and it's... It's pretty crazy. I, I I like the way I like the way they did it. I mean, it's complete. You know, I I guess they're trying to say, well, you know, Leon's the skilled, you know, uh, mi- star trained, military trained, whatever, because he went through some type of special forces thing after after Raccoon City. They did a little uh, uh, kind of expanding his lore. It from I want to say they expanded his lore from the original because I, I want to say he just went from cop to working for the uh, stars or whatever the international branch of stars was uh, keeping track of umbrella. But now they gave him like special forces training. And <laughs> so I guess that's where that comes in. But it's, it's, it's a great game. And since this is October, this is the spooky month. And. My save point in um uh oh gosh, what's that other horror game I was playing? The Dead Space. What is, I saved in a very, very bad way. Uh almost no ammo and very little health. <laughs> so I figured I figured I it's like I'm I may have to re rework this. Uh so I figured I'd take it take uh Take Resident Evil 4 remake for a spin. Play Spider-Man 2. Amazing. I mean, and uh, pun intended. It's they <laughs> basically they've basically improved on just about everything from the first two games. Combat is much smoother, more varied. The takedowns the uh there there are takedowns that you can do what's very interesting and cool is that when you're doing random uh like like in the first two games you could fight crime on your way to the a main story point if you do that sometimes whatever character you're not playing as will show up and they'll start beating up people along, right along with you and the AI on the computer control characters is is pretty on point. There are the cinematic takedowns. That are, like there's one where uh, uh, if you're playing as Peter uh, and you're fighting and you're fighting some dude and you, and you initiate a takedown, if Miles is nearby, he'll do like Spotty will push the guy away. And it's like he's getting ready to web him, but Miles will kick the dude in the side off screen. You'll see uh, Peter Parker flash him the thumbs up (laughs) as he goes flying by. They really have built the relationship between Peter and Miles is really expanded upon not only in the story, but even in the gameplay. Because while if you're playing as Peter or Miles and the opposite character is fighting along with you, there are there are lines of dialogue that go on between them. And that those lines of dialogue help kind of sort of build upon the main story as you as you're going along. Like um, 
well, I don't want to spoil anything, so I won't exactly say, but like uh, I was playing as uh, Miles and I had just encountered a new type of enemy in the while fighting crime along to the uh, on my way to a main story point. So I did that. So on my way to that story point, I decided to do another crime scenario, a fight crime scenario. And while I'm fighting, Peter shows up. And while while fighting, he's like, oh, yeah, Peter, I came I you know came across these new these new enemies I'd never seen before. It's like they're like they're like they're in a cult or something. He's like, yeah, well, we'll have to look into that. I mean, it's stuff like that while the combat is going on to me really kind of builds upon it that really kind of accentuates the uh friendship that miles and peter have and it's put forth front and center right at the start of the game uh there's even a there's even a you know kind of like last scene uh in catching you up in case you didn't play the, like the first spider-man or miles morales updates if you didn't play those you can catch up on those past events and the way they do that is is kind of cool so the the game is is and i again very early and very early into it i'm enjoying it immensely and uh it's going to be you know another one another one for the books uh, the other game that I've been playing and finally finished is Final Fantasy 16. Oh, you finally finished it, huh? I did. I did. And Final Fantasy 16, I had to stop and think about it, and I really had to contemplate, and I had to wonder where it fits on kind of like my greatest of all time pantheon. It's number one. And... The reason why it the reason why it's knocked God hand off the 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 throne for as long as that game has been there is because of the combat mechanics that Square Enix put into this game. I mean, when they got the guy that that created uh, Devil May Cry, I knew that there was the potential for them to bring something really interesting. I was just thinking they were just going to bring Devil May Cry Devil May Cry elements into the game and they did to a certain extent but the combat elements in this game if you're willing to experiment and you're willing to delve into the nuts and bolts of how the icons work in conjunction with your with with your skill tree you're really able to do some amazing things with the combat systems in this game. And that's where, that's where this game hooked me. Um, there is a, a skill that you get. Um, it is, it is called the Zenkatsu or the, the Zenkaisu or something, something along. It starts with a Z and basically the Zenkatsu is if the, AI slash from Monster Hunter Rise and Royal Guard skill from Devil May Cry 3 had a baby. And that baby was injected with every steroid known to man. That's what this <laughs> Zenkatsu is. Yikes. And 
it is almost it, it's broken. I mean, I've some people have said it's almost broken. Nah, the this skill is broken, but it's so dope. It, it is it is absolutely amazing. Basically, like on um, the AI slash uh, in Monster Hunter, when you do a when you do a dodge, it does like multiple hits on a monster. It's like the monster hits at you and misses but it catches like four or five sword slashes in, in the process. The, Zenkai, the, the Zenkaisu is very similar, except that you can do offensive and defensive dodges with it. Offense, well, the, the, the offensive dodge really isn't a dodge. It is as an enemy is attacking you, you, pre, you attack with your sword, and it does like multiple slashes if you time it just right. Then you can do the defensive dodge, which is which every weapon that you have can you can do that with uh, Clive's uh, is part of Clive's uh, innate skills. So you dodge, and instead of coming back with a single hit counter, he comes in with like a counter slash that hits multiple times. Not only that, but the uh, every skill art or icon uh, ability under the under the Zenkaitsu label, when you when you execute it, it builds up this meter which goes up to three levels. And whenever you have Zen, uh, Zenkaitsu uh, active, even as a regular attack method there there is this meter that builds up up to three levels once you open up le- uh, level three if you push and hold down the sword attack button he does like he'll hit like one massive strike that creates multiple slashes i think by the time i had that fully charged up i was doing a thousand points of damage with every multiple strike that landed and you can do that two times you hit you can hit with one massive strike that hits i don't know i i didn't even bother to try and count how many times that that strike hits it's like 20 or 30 and then it'll hit a second time with one hard slash and then another multiple by the thousands of points of damage taken off with that not only that, but you're also breaking posture down, which and I thought Titan broke posture down pretty quick. No, Zenkatsu breaks it down even faster. It, I am ju- I just fell in love with this skill, man. It, it for a, a beat 'em up person like me, who just likes delving into the mechanics of the systems in games, uh, particularly of beat 'em ups. The, this was this skill in particular was just right up my alley. Unfortunately, you don't get it until near the end of the game. But going and I and this is this would be like my recommendation for people who are weird like me who really love systems and stuff. Save the hunting board until after you get the Zenkatsu, because once you do. It will you'll actually be able to to earn like a crap ton of skill points from the uh, from the hunting board 
and you can apply it to open up all the skills of the Zakaitsu. I I didn't do that because I didn't know I was getting that skill. And I A, I didn't know I was getting that skill. And B, I didn't know I would fall in love with it the way I did. But um, hold off on the uh, the hunting board until you get the Zenkaitsu and you will have number A, it'll make the hunts a little bit easier. Not that they were hard for me. I only had like uh, maybe one hunt. And I, I think I only have like two or three. By the time I finished the game, there were only two or three hunts that I didn't do. Um, there was maybe only one hunt that I died on. But... They, they weren't they weren't all of them weren't walks in the park they were actually some of them were actually pretty pretty hardcore but when you have zenkaitsu it's like it's almost like it's almost like uh like like a god mode if you're if you're using it correctly uh because like i said even the icon abilities charge up the meter and then once you complete once you land those icon abilities you can hold down the sword button as they're going. So once the last frame of the last ability ends, you can go right into your multi-hit slash again. And it you just you just build up so much damage using that. It is just so dope. Um story-wise, I really like the way it ended. Uh, I'm not gonna say how it ended. All I will say is that there is potential to con- to continue the story, um, and that's great. It, it's well written characters, a really good story, a a Final Fantasy story, and it's a game that kind of harkens back to, I think, kind of like the old school premise of good versus evil, and I really like that because I mean I, I know that there's like there's like a lot to be said for the villain that has these you know ulterior motives who has you know you know he's he's kind of he's bad but he some of his things are kind of good it's like there are some characters in the game that you come across that are kind of like that but the but the main big bad no he there's nothing good about him and. I really appreciate that aspect of a game that do, that doesn't kind of for the sake of building for character um, exposition, build in a whole lot of, you know, well, he's doing this, but for good reasons. Nah, this big bad just wants to see the world burn, you know, shout out to Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and it, 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 it 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 just makes the story all the all the more all the more better the all the more better more better better uh, as far as I'm concerned. So, man, like Final Fantasy 16 is my game of the year, uh, hands down. Um, it is also my the the best game I've ever played. Like like full stop, just from the mechanics alone. If the mechanics were, if if this game only had the mechanics that grabbed me so well, I would still say it was the best game I've ever played. But that combined with the story, the characters, there wasn't a single NPC that I came across that I 
that I did not care about. I wanted to know what everybody I who what the story behind everybody I encountered in this game. And that's really rare, you know, really rare f- for me in, in games that where every single character I come across, I want to know more about them. It's just so well written, in my opinion. So. So, yeah, like <laughs> this game is just absolutely amazing. Um and real quick, I'm I'm going to after thoroughly watching Final Fantasy 16 for the probably for the last time on this show. Um, I've also been watching a, a little bit of anime. Um, I haven't been on uh, gaming that much. Uh, I had a uh, celebrated my 17th wedding anniversary with my wonderful wife. Congratulations! Uh, Congratulations! Thank you. Shout out to her for putting up with my nonsense for 17 years. Uh, so we and we also were able to get out of town for the first time since the uh, the COVID madness because every single attempt was ruined by illness or whatnot. And we had a funeral of uh, a member of her family that we had to attend this past week. But during the course of all that, I've been watching some anime. And um, they're both isekais, and for whatever reason, I'm kind of in an isekai mode with my anime watching. So I've added a new one, which is uh, I was reborn as as the world's greatest assassin. Uh, oh, as the world's greatest assassin, I was reborn into an aristocratic family. That's that's the name of the anime. Uh, these isekai titles get get <laughs> more odd by by each one I watch, and basically it's like it's just what it, the title says: the world's greatest assassin uh, gets betrayed by his organization that he works for, gets killed, gets brought into is isekai into this world of uh, you know kind of high fantasy elves, dragons, you know swords and swords and witches and all that stuff, and. He's like he's OP, but he has to work at making the skills that make him OP kind of coalesce and gel properly. And I like that aspect. He's not just OP just because uh, he actually has to work at it and train at it and uh, get that get that situated. And what's unique about this one is that he's not the hero. He, in a way, he's kind of sort of the villain because mm. the goddess that isekais him into the world wants him to kill the hero. Now, she's telling him that the reason she wants him to kill the hero is because he's going to bring uh, calamity to the world after the hero kills the demon lord. But she, she's like, okay, I want you to kill the hero, but only after he takes out the demon lord because only the only the hero can kill the demon lord, but then after he does that, that's when I need you to kill him. And so he's, he's like, okay, I don't trust a thing this gal is telling me. <laughs> so yeah, I, I need to figure out what's going on. Uh, so that's a really good one. And the other one, uh, reincarnated jobless into uh, a, into a fantasy world. The I started the second season of that, and actually, I don't know if you remember, Joe, that anime episode that they showed us at the beginning of the uh, finals at Evo. 
it's that it's the second season of that anime. The, oh, the, right on. Woke up jobless and reincarnated as a as a as a sorcerer or jobless as a sorcerer, um, and it's really good. It it's they're they're exploring some issues that I've never even seen explored in an anime like ever, and it's fight scenes are very well choreographed. Uh, character exposition is excellent it's even better than than the first season i think and they're really showcasing the growth of the main character in a way that i feel is really kind of kind of unique i think some of the other 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 series anime series have done it really well like my hero academia did it really well uh, and there are some others that have done it, done character development e- extremely well as well. But I think this one also should get get an, an award if such a thing exists for main character development and bringing that character into his own under very grim and dark circumstances where he has to make some decisions that don't always that are that are correct in the moment but he still has to deal with the repercussions of those decisions uh like even from members of his own family and it does it does that really really well so uh been really enjoying that enjoying that uh that's those two series right there so for me uh after all that bloviating that is going to end my playlist so we're going to move right on to the main event. And I'm passing the mic back to Des. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So for our main event, this um, for this one, it comes from Joe. And he says, uh, the question that we have is, when was the moment that you fell in love with video games? And what continues to stir that passion? So, Joe, because you were the one that came up with this question, I'm I want you to start. You know, I think it'd be great for us to hear. You know, what what is it? You know, that really kind of kind of like what what is it, my friend? Like like what 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 is the moment that you fell in love with video games? Because you've been a lifelong video game addict. I mean, lover for a very long time. So I I just want to know, my friend. What was it that made you fall in love with video games? I love all that exposition you gave. What? <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to. You threw the attic to... in there like, you know, like I'm I'm sitting there on like methadone or something. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's just kind of cool just to hear like, you know, uh, I think we've all all talked about our like origin stories with games or whatnot on this show in previous episodes. But uh uh, I think the the time had to be with uh, Space Invaders back in the day. Uh, Space Invaders in the arcade specifically is when I first saw that thing. Because, you know, I dabbled in games previous to that uh, as far as seeing them at, like, you know, places like uh, Foster's Freeze or, you know, let's see pinball machines and that kind of thing. But I, until Space Invaders came out, it really kind of 
perked my interest on there. I remember, I think, one Sunday we were eating at, of all places, Ole for Hole. <laughs> and, oh, wow. Uh, Ole for Hole is this, like, you know, noted crappy Mexican smorgy that's been in Fresno for, uh, like, a ton. It's still in existence today, but, uh, you know, it's basically a buffet where you could go. You know, I liked it when I was a kid because, you know, they had free soft serve. And so I was like, you know, sampling some, ooh, what's this, enchiladas, tacos, and all this other stuff, and got all the ice cream at the end. But they had the Space Invaders machine there, and it's like, you know, I just, I had to play it. I had to keep playing it, too. And my parents were, like, kind of yelling at me, like, you know, you know, no more. We got to go, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So, and uh, I went with my mom. I think it was in, like, th- third or fourth grade. But um, I was, like, kind of bummed of because uh, my mom was a cosmetologist. So my, basically she went to this house and I was prepared to be bored. And lo and behold, they had an Atari 2600 and Space Invaders there. And so I da, da, da. couldn't pull me off of that damn thing, you know. So and as when I became aware and, and sitting down with the home version of, of it, that, you know, it was like, kind of stirred the pot a bit and so i talked you know my parents you know were were living modestly at the time you know my dad was working for the uh, catholic school that i attended and my mom was like a hairdresser you know she was just doing hair you know kind of thing so and my dad was basically like the handyman at the church uh and uh you know even doing janitorial stuff at the school where I went to school at. So it's like, you know, uh, my aunt helped to buy a Sears telegame console for Christmas. I believe this is Christmas 1980, I believe. And so I finally got a uh, Atari 2600 for the house and I got Space Invaders with it along with some other games and yeah, I just stirred the passion right then and there. I mean, I started even like, you know, because I collected comics back in the day when I was a kid. My dad got me into collecting comics. And so that was my like my main hobby back then. At at one point, you know, when I was like in the fourth, fifth grade, I was collecting like, like uh, 40, 50 titles a month. That was crazy. I was down down at the racks every Tuesday, you know, stirring those racks and whatnot. But uh, video games kind of stirred that same passion within me, you know. So, so yeah, that's pretty much where it started, you know. And even buying video game magazines, like I bought the first issue of Electronic Games um, back in the day. Got a subscription right at the first crack. My parents were, you know, they they supported my habits, you know. So, you know, bl- blame them. I didn't. You know, do any like I'm gonna go do drugs or anything like Kev did, but you know they they kind of you know went ahead and supported me, you know as far as my passions and that kind of thing. You know, took me down to the arcade, you know. So it's like you know they've even played games with me too, you know. So my parents were both like they like to play Pac-Man, Centipede, and you know we go to the arcade together as a as a family. So you know. And we played games at home, too. My mom would be playing, like, uh, poker, you know, or whatever uh, casino games that were on there. And then we'd all play Atari Video Pinball together as well. So 
So, and that's basically, you know, that's where the seed was sprung. And, you know, I think uh, the second question is what continues to stir that passion. You know, games is just kind of intensively like something to do above and beyond watching TV that I did with my parents when I was a kid and did with my friends as a kid. And, and it just became a language, you know, something that I would enjoy that I shared a mutual kinship with i mean i wouldn't have met you des if it wasn't for video games the same thing with you kev you know so so it's it's something to where most of my friends i have to this day were because you know me hanging out out at the arcade or meeting friends talking about video games so that's pretty much why it's so it's like intertwined in in my dna if i could call it that so it's because, you know, back when I was 12 years old, I loved, you know, comic books. I loved, you know, crappy heavy metal. I loved uh, video games and I love baseball. And guess what? That's, that's I all, all those four things I named. I'm pretty much passionate about baseball, video games, maybe not as much about comic books or crappy heavy metal. But it's pretty much just uh, things I have picked up when I was a child and uh, continue to this day. So. That's awesome, and that's the same thing. That sort of pa- the passion that 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 is still there for you. Like what what continues to stir this passion? Just again, continuing that to to play games. I know you really are a multiplayer uh, a multiplayer uh, aficionado. Um, yeah, I do like my single player games still, but I need to be more in tune. I, I do like the social aspect throughout the years. You know, um, between like. Uh, it's my first online game ever, you know, was on the Dreamcast playing Fantasy Star Online. And so I did play that solo a lot, but, you know, I did have friends I played it with. And then, you know, other games throughout the years, you know, we've kind of dabbled, but Destiny and Destiny 2 were like major tent poles too uh, for me as well on there. And, and Division Division 1 and 2, even though I've been playing them mainly uh, lately, it's been more of a solo play as of late but you know monster hunter was initially like a single player game i remember if you remember back in 2004 when i was living with dom my friend dom uh you know playing monster hunter one and and we played together a little bit on playstation 2 on there but when that series kind of popped over to psp and and playing with uh you des and my ex-wife and we found other people that played as well and kind of just moving on to like different uh, versions of that game on the psp and then you know moving over to the wii and the wii u on there and then 3ds it's just it became something of a social kind of gathering kind of thing you know i don't know if did you come I don't know if you came to my house when I had nights where we had people over and we're just all playing, um, you know, rem- uh, remote play basically on 3DS and playing with the Wii U in the living room and being able to play Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate or not. But, uh, you know, that's it's just uh, between that and then being at the arcades back in the 90s playing fighting games, you know, good, bad, and different. That's how I met you, Des. So mm-hmm. it's like, and that's how we, me and Kev kind of, you know, we had our Friday night fights, you know, and I go over there and he'd whip my ass on whatever Fatal Fury game <laughs> to known the man. You know, sometimes we get Fred involved too, but. Uh, <laughs> I do remember that. And that's definitely, you know, I definitely can agree that's, that's a, a passion of mine. 
So, um, so Kev, uh, what, when was the moment that you fell in love with video games, my friend? Uh, it was, it was when I first played in television and that's when I, that's when I fell in love with gaming. Uh, I had played the 2600. I had a friend named Jason in elementary school who had one and I played it and, oh, I thought, I thought it was the neatest thing since sliced bread. So I go running home after hanging out with him one Saturday and I start yipping and yapping about this thing called the Atari VCS. And my parents are like, yeah, okay, <laughs> whatever. Um, my dad went to check one out because Christmas was going to be coming. I can't remember if it was near Christmas time or not. I, 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 I don't really recall, but he my dad looked at it and he wasn't impressed hmm. he was like this there's got to be something better than than this so i didn't get any i didn't get any any video games or a console uh for my for christmas or my birthday that year but the following year uh there is this this locally owned store here called Gotchocks, and uh, they had a audio video department and at some point my dad was at the the mall where this store was and he saw this thing there called in television and he was really impressed with it my dad was kind of like the I get my my well my dad was a tech dude he liked audio he was an audiophile he was a videophile uh really was not much of a gamer uh, except on the down low, but, um, tech, you know, audio, video, all that stuff. He was really, he was really into it and he saw this thing called in television running. So he and my mom, uh, talked, uh, secretly un- you know, unbeknownst to me. And, uh, my mom dragged me to the mall one Saturday on, on the pretense of getting of picking up some things for the house, but it was also for me to see this thing called in television. And I walk into the store and I remember the game that they had on, which was Night Stalker, which to this day, the reason Night Stalker holds a special place in my heart is because it was Night Stalker, you know, other games made me a were made me a fan because like I was playing space and my brother was taking me to the the pinball arcade you know as a very very young person and so i liked pinball you know enjoyed it loved doing it but you know i wasn't fanatic about it i did play space invaders i thought it was cool i thought it was more fun than pinball and i was really kind of get, getting hyped about it and I played uh, the Atari VCS at my friend Jason's house, and I was really into video games. But it wasn't until I played Night Stalker that I became a fanatic. Uh, uh, Night Stalker was my my radicalization uh, 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 means to <laughs> that made me like, okay, I need to, I need, I need to be gaming. Uh, so. I played it there and I went home and I just 
became just I, I just had to find out more about what this Intellivision thing was. They had little pamphlets there at Gottschalk's. I grabbed as many as they would allow me to take. And that night over dinner, I was just blabbing and blabbing and blabbing, having diarrhea of the mouth about this thing called a television. And long story short, I had one. I had one that that following Christmas with all of the games that had come out for it at that time. And in television was just like a staple in our household uh for as long as they made the system as long as the system was uh and games were available for it i had the intellivision at one point we had two intellivision twos i can't remember why or how that happened but i got the original intellivision the intellivision two i've got just about every game they made except for some of the uh intv made games they went in and they once uh, Mattel lost the uh, pro sports licenses for all their sports games. They had go, they went back under INTV and made like uh, baseball, basketball, football uh, available for the television, except you can play it as a single player. And all the original sports games uh, were two player only. So I, I but I don't have those INTV games. So like I kind of I'm kind of on the uh, the look for those, trying to find those complete in 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 box if possible. And back then I actually liked sports games because they were easy. They were you didn't have to really know how to play the actual game. Like I think NFL football for in television, I think maybe had three offensive and three defensive plays maybe <laughs> available that's been generous <laughs> yeah so you really didn't need to know you know anything about how to, there was no no audibles there was no you know man in motion all that other stuff like you know like in in the in the game in in these uh uh, in Madden today, none of that back in the day. You didn't even have to know anything about the game and be able to play and have fun. You just needed a second player, uh, which I was not always able to have access to. Um, my dad would play uh, until I started beating him on a regular basis, and he stopped playing with, with me mm. in my two-player game. But, yeah, that's really where it started. <clears throat> And the reason why it continues, well, a good example is is Final Fantasy 16. I mean, for me, uh, my my favorite genres may have changed over time, but the one thing that can continues to hold my interest are the systems employed in games as technology in, improved. And I consider myself pretty fortunate to have seen, particularly on the home on the home market, the onset of this market start and seeing where it's come to at this point. The games that come out that employ these systems and gameplay mechanics that just really grab my attention, either test either testing my um 
abilities as an action game player or a beat-em-up person in particular, whether I was playing fighting games, because fighting games used to be my favorite genre, the different mechanics employed there, like, you know, Fatal Fury had, you know, three planes of of combat, and you could mix between the, the different planes, kind of, like, I think the, the some had two, and I think some had three, <clears throat> and it's stuff like that that I just found really interesting, so... If a game can lock me in with its mechanics, even if the story, like saying in a single player game, isn't all that good, that's what keeps me coming back. And um, there's a lot of games that do that for me today uh, that really grab my attention and hold my attention from a mechanic standpoint. And that's really one of the main reasons I continue to go back. Um, story is important. But it's at in the end of at at the end of the day, I find it secondary to very good play mechanics. If like if, if Final Fantasy 16 had a trash ass story, but had the same mechanics, it would probably still be my favorite game I ever played. <laughs> well, that's good to because, know. Yeah, because that's what that's that's just what draws me into a video game it's the game's mechanics it's not not even the story you know my like my one of my favorite things is i can read a book and get a good story but when i play a game i want to be locked into the things that make the game tick the systems the mechanics what i'm doing uh what it's forcing me to do uh, reacting to the enemies, how I, how do I have options when facing a single opponent as opposed to a group of enemies? It's stuff like that that really gets, you know, charges me up. And if I get a great story on top of it, that's just, you know, icing on top of the cake. So that, that that's that's where I come from with that. Cool. So for me, I have to say the moment I felt I fell in love with uh, video games was. I, I keep hearkening back to a time when I was in um I was in I was in my bedroom and I had a old I had a NES um and I was playing Mega Man and I was playing Mega Man with my friend Patrick Martin and Patrick Martin you know is a really good gamer like he knows how to play the game how to play games and i was sitting there watching him play and it was just really cool seeing everything happening and the way the sprites looked and the music and everything coming together was great and we stayed up super late because he was playing the night and he beat the game and i watched him beat the game and and i was just like wow and then and he did it without the um without the you know the pausing with the elect man to hit it a bunch of times with the pause thing to kill the 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 one eye monster and all that other stuff so there was no like gimmicks like he actually just beat it full on and i watched the ending of it and i was just like that was so cool and then we like stood up we stayed up the rest of the night just talking about the game and how cool it was. And then we were talking about, like, we should make a Mega Man movie and who can play the Mega Man movie. <laughs> it, was, it was just silly. It was just silly. But I but that was the first game that really, like, I, I, it was, like, so enjoyable to, to, play to, to play it because I played other games. 
before and they were okay like I, I don't know what it is but that first mario brothers game like i get it it's a classic but i thought it was boring um and so i didn't really like to play it um and you talk about super mario brothers yeah the first the one that the one that shipped with the nes like i oh, thought, got it yeah i thought that was as boring as hell and so i was just like oh so so that was that, that's the one thing where, where I fell in love with video games that really kind of like, you know, these are really cool. And so from then on, I kind of had like a uh, I also had a Genesis. And so I would play games with my friends, you know, and and that's when I fell in love with games. You know, and I really started to resonate and I, and I wanted to play them more. But but. But the other thing. The other thing that really kind of helped me fall in love with uh, with it is going to sound weird with video games was basically it was Joe's passion for video games made me fall in love with video games more because of his passion for them and and his knowledge and everything about them. And when he this is when we were living together and like I would read his magazines and then I would um like I had never been around someone, you know, save Pat, but even Pat was not super much into it as Joe is. So I fell in love with games through like this osmosis of seeing Joe play games and playing J- games with Joe and really being like, huh, you know, these these games are really, you know, really this like this interactive storytelling that is that can be as deep or as shallow as 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 you want it to be uh depending on the writing and it's just sort of this because i've been really into comic books you know reading comics and so i was familiar with like fantasy storytelling and 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 that but to be able to actually play a game and get that same kind of and get that same kind of feeling uh kind of really um really stuck with me and and it was when i started really getting into rpgs you know uh from when seeing joe and then joe you know you know burning all these games and giving me all these games and so like i i really didn't fall in love until like the ps2 or ps1 era uh, and when the Xbox, that's when I really and I was, you know, talking with Joe and Joe was all like, you know, let me, you know, let's let's uh, hack that uh, Xbox, you know, let's get you some games. And he just kind of like, you know, shared his love of games with me, which 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 in turn just kind of was like, wow, you know, this is like there's a lot more depth here, and, you know, and nuances to the type of games that you could play, you know, you know how it is. It's like it's like when you when you get someone Cause like I fell in love with comic books because my, my, my older cousin, you know, gave me his comics and he was telling me about the comics and he was explaining them to me about, you know, comics and all these different things. And, and so it kind of nurtured that love of comic books and Joe sort of did the same thing with, uh, with video games. So it's a very interesting kind of, kind of way that I fell in love with it. There wasn't like one, I mean, I could say the Mega Man thing, you know, is when I really started to like, oh, but it wasn't really until Joe kind of showed me his love of, of video games that really kind of like sparked, like kind of reignited and really kind of like helped, you know, keep that going. Uh, what stirs continues to stir my passion. Um, 
that's ma- mainly it's just the all of the the new and cool stuff that pops into like the gaming you know all of the new things and the new stories and the new avenues that that they come out with um that's that's what keeps continues to stir my passion it's like it's like these little interactive movies nowadays like video games can for the back better worms for lack of a better term is better than like conventional like television movies and all this stuff because there's an element of interactivity that you just do not have when watching a movie like you can have 3d but nah, you know but actually playing a game and 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 experiencing that for you know 12 20 60 400 hours you know that's 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 what continues to stir my passion is when they is when is when they announce these new games or or when they announce spider-man 2 you know that like oh like and especially when you've played spider-man 1 you know and you get that hype and you're like oh you know the new one's going to be so much cooler you know And, and now that i hear that kevin saying that it's fantastic you know, like I'm like hyped, like I'm I'm hyped. I'm like I want to play Spider Man two now. You know, and then and then like let's not forget about Wolverine coming out like next year or the year year after. It's like come on, you know. It's like so this is the stuff that makes me you know that really kind of pumps me up. And then and then secondly is is really cool multiplayer experiences. Um, I really like playing with other people. It's it 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 adds a bit of you know camaraderie and a bit of um. And and a bit of just kind of like, you know, let's let's hang out and kill these perps and stuff, you know. And I know I make fun of Joe and stuff like that, but it's it, you know, but it's true, you know. Playing multiplayer games is is a lot of fun, and and when you're able to get a squad of people um, that share your interests and you're able to share that experience with them, that's really kind of cool. So so uh, there's a reason why you know multiplayer games are so are so. Um, prevalent is because people want those experiences experiences especially how fast-paced our world is you know so to be able to sit down you know with people that you actually like you know and then spend like you know any kind of time whether it's 20 30 an hour you know with these people you know to play a game like that's that's that means something you know you you are literally taking your time time out of your busy day you know to spend time in a virtual world with your friends like that's that is something to be like wow like that's that is that's cool you know and 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 that's the the passion that i have and that's why i'm really like that's i'm really like 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 why I don't want to go back to Destiny 2 is because I've done that that's fun I want to experience some new shit you know, in Destiny 3 with all y'all, you know, because that's why I want something new. That's why I'm super jazzed for Helldivers to come out because of the time that I spend with you two guys and the friendly fire and all that craziness and shit. So, like, that's that's why I want to, I can't wait for Monster Hunter 2 or Monster, Monster Hunter World 2 to come out. That way we can play more. See, stuff like that, that's what, you know, continues to stir my passion. It's like it's more opportunities to play these games. So, you're going to say something, Joe? Oh, no, I was just going to comment the fact that, you know, just that's why some people out there, they love Call of Duty and FIFA because that's what they play with their uh, friends, you know, and that's something that has stayed 
constant. You know, there's other game series, you know, that probably has a big, bigger cachet just because of that reason. You know, for us, at least for me, I like, uh, you know, more science fiction, story-based, you know, MMOs, you know, or, you know, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd consider Destiny and Division and all that. It's like, there's a definitely a multiplayer portion of it, but, uh, you know. They're not traditional MMOs. Yeah, they're not traditional MMOs, but, you know, it's just something similar on that. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just how I am about this stuff. Um, so for me, it wasn't like a specific moment. It's different moments that that contributed to the whole, you know, that that made me fall in love with video games. And then it's 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 that love of the game that that continues to, you know, to this day, make me want to play make me want to play more games. So. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, that's our main event. I hope we I hope you guys aren't out there, you know, crying and stuff because of how mushy we all got, especially mine. Um, I'm surprised Joe is in a ball of <laughs> ball of wet turd. Anyway, anyway, so anyway, um, <laughs> we would love for you to uh, listeners to comment about this. You know, our vessel line. We usually, you know, we we talk about what people are saying in in our Discord. So we would love for you to answer this question. Uh, when was the moment that you fell in love with video game and what continues to stir your passion? We would love to hear your thoughts. That way we can comment on them and share them with the rest of our listeners on our next show, which is during which, which will be during the main event. So if you're wondering, well, that sounds awesome. How can I do that? Well, stay tuned. And at the end of the show, Kevin will let you know how you can join our Discord and how you can, you know, leave us a message. But you know what follows the main event. It's the Jabroni Game and News. All right, thank you, Diz. Okay, so, all right, so it's been a couple of weeks, but we'll talk about what's going on. First, first thing I want to kind of lead off with: uh, there was an interview with uh, Doug Bowser, the uh, president of Nintendo of America, and so um, he was made, he made some comments, and it kind of stirred some other articles from uh, other websites, kind of picking picking at this interview, like uh, like the bones off the chicken over here, so. And uh, they're just talking just about Nintendo and where they're at right now. Um, they did make a mention about, you know, that they can't talk about the rumors out there about Switch 2 or the successor to the Switch. But he commented the saying that the Nintendo account platform is going to be their long-term strategy of whenever the company does decide to launch a new uh, console. So this is a quote from him. In the past, every device we transitioned had a whole new account system. Nintendo account will allow us to communicate with our players if and when we make that transition to a new platform to help ease that process or transition on here. So so there's kind of a hint there, even though he hasn't said it necessarily, that there possibly will be back compat on the Switch 2 be able to bring your games forward with the Nintendo account. I'm hoping that is the case because, you know, every Nintendo platform from here on out has always been incompatible and you had to go out and buy your content again. And, uh, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but if Switch 2 came out or the successor to the Switch and it was an entirely new system and you weren't, weren't able to use your content forward, how would you feel about it? Mm. Um, I'd be mad. Yeah. I mean, come on. 
<laughs> I mean, kind of weird, right? Yeah. I think the bigger issue is that I don't want my games tied to my console. I want them tied to my account. Yeah. That's the bigger issue, it, it, at least to me. And I'm, now, I don't have, you know, 10, 10 billion games uh, for Nintendo. Speaking, speaking of that, I also played uh, Mario Brothers Wonder. This is a really neat game. I forgot to mention that in my in my playlist. But and the sad thing is, that <laughs> I haven't turned on my my Switch in so long that the power had completely drained, even though it sits docked. Wow. So I had to charge it <laughs> enough to, to to be able to start up and play the game i played my series x more than my switch which Damn. which is 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 just 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 sad in of itself but mario wonder is pretty dope but anyway um yeah i i i want to have a nintendo online account system where my content licenses are not tied to my console because if my switch dies any that's why I don't have any downloadable content on my switch I don't I don't really mess with the store like that if something happens to my switch and I either have to replace it or send it off whatever replacement I get I have to rebuy that game again you know never mind a new successor just if my my current one gets damaged and gets replaced. I have to buy that same game again because the license is tied to the hardware. That's got to be fixed. Yeah, that's weird. That's up so because yeah, that's like uh, you know if they resolve that because I want you know with this new Nintendo system to be able to play all my Switch games in super the greatest mode. I mean, I'm sorry, but if it doesn't have some sort of DLSS with the system and then be able to juice up. The Switch games, because, you know, the performance, you know, in certain Switch games was just, like, so piss poor. You know, we talked about Zelda, um, Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity, uh, Xenoblade 2 and 3, you know. Bayonetta um, 2, or Bayonetta 3, rather. Yeah, Bayonetta 3. And so it's, it's sad for me to be able to see, like, you know, people on PC running emulators get like the greatest experience uh, i was uh researching and looking at someone went in and, and did a mod for uh, pokemon scarlet and violet and they actually improved the performance and and tweaked some of the gameplay elements <laughs> above and beyond to where yeah basically because you know that game was a buggy mess and still a buggy mess even with the dlc that just recently came out for it and so it's like you know i i've been looking into getting uh emulation up for switch and it's like it's ridiculous um current system that i have to resort to like you know other methods in my fandom here to be able to play you know um my software at you know a decent frame rate and and bet the fidelity i'm expecting you know so so we'll have, to, we'll have to see what the Switch successor brings out now. Uh, also, too, in this interview, they commented and asked Doug Bowser about the leaks from the FTC versus Microsoft trial, talking about that Microsoft wanting to acquire a Nintendo <laughs> here. And 
he basically just went on to say that they have a great relationship with Microsoft. We consider them to be partners in many, many ways. And talked about how Minecraft's on Switch and that Banjo-Kazooie is in uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate on there. And so, you know, obviously he didn't really answer directly. We don't want to get bought out or anything like that. But uh, he did say that as far as consolidation in the industry, um, that uh, that it's been a constant with acquisitions of studios on here, but there's new studios popping up every year, so on and so forth. So as consolidation does happen, we're seeing new studios pop up at the same time. So, so that's what he had to comment on there. So no juicy tidbits for the you know whole you know Phil Spencer wants to eat everything up, you know, <laughs> mum 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 on there but uh you know no he still to... does he's still oh, i know yeah. <laughs> he's just said you know people have to want to be bought you know yeah they just uh, can't go up and be like you're mine they tried that and that people don't like that <laughs> yeah so it's kind of cool they and all they, not just they talked about super mario wonder in the interview too and they kind of indicated that um they were working on this game for quite a bit of time in fact uh <laughs> They said at one point they had a particular um, mode in the game that they were working on, and they dedicated like about, I think, six months working on that particular mode, and they just decided to scrap it (laughs) on there. And so they're kind of talking about to where uh, that game really didn't have like an in like, hey, you got to like get this game done by there. They gave the their studio at Nintendo that was working on this game enough time to kind of iterate on the game enough. So where, when it was ready to come out, it was ready to come out, you know? So I kind of wish they would do the same with Pokemon, but that's a whole (laughs) cash cow and whatnot. But like, yeah, here with that, we need this money. You got it. Seriously. They're like, you are messing with my money, sir. Stop it. Just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Hear from Doug Bowser, you know, when we're at PAX, me and Des, we're, we walk right by the guy. And he's just sitting there walking on that whole uh, Nintendo Live f- on the floor. And it's like, you know, people are going, oh, my God, that's Doug Bowser. And it's like, I'm just walking by. I'm like, I'm not going to bother this guy. You know, he's enough to deal with being the president of Nintendo, much less anything else. <laughs> yeah, we were kind of like, oh, you know, hey. <laughs> it was, oh, OK. Yeah. Like, I don't know why people were, I mean, I get I it. Know. People like to. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if, like, oh, well, let me find let me something, something you could autograph or something. Like, no, I'm good. And I was like, oh, like that. Yeah. So what's you guys overall feeling about uh, Switch and, you know, are you hopeful for Switch 2 next year? I mean, is if it's announced, I will buy it. I'm kind of annoyed, but I imagine it'll pop out like it has to. Yeah. You know, so I I mean, I don't know if I'm going to buy it day day one. Um, I might, depending on like the price point. But at the same time, I'm kind of annoyed. You know, it's like, damn, you know, but I I know it needs to, it needs to just be a stronger system is all I'm saying. Like, yeah, they can't they can't come out here and be all like, Hey, we got this stuff, but it's still, it, it has, it has to be more than seven twenty, And this has to, they just got to come with it. You know, that's, that's all I can say. They just got to come with it. They can't do that. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I would current, be, I would be shook if, if they did not. 
the current rumors right now is that once the system does come out that you're going to see day and date parity with a lot of games on switch to with uh, ps5 and xbox series versions so i mean that's gonna be amazing and it still be like run on a cart and all that mm, okay oh we'll have to see you know if 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 these developers have to make games for series s you know why couldn't they make it for switch too right you know really and even when you think about it you know so yeah i mean the, hey let's do it the question is how much are you willing to pay for that how much you're going to be willing to pay for ps5 series x uh, equivalency in a portable platform. Yeah, I don't even yeah. care if it's portable. That's the thing. It's like they're they're well, so on you know, this whole portable. portable. It's going to be portable. I know, but they're like so into this. Like, oh my god, it's got to be portable. Oh, and I'm like, no, it doesn't. Stop it. It doesn't. Just... I wish they. I wish they would go back to a tabletop platform because I think it'd be it that that PS5 and Series X. Uh, uh, being on par with those two systems you, it could be done at a cheaper cost mm-hmm. but if you're if they are bound and determined to maintain this this uh link between portability and desktop or or uh entertainment uh system set top usage and it's on par with ps5 series x you're that's big money that that's that's you know how much is a rogue as a rog ally like five six hundred bucks something like yeah. that yeah 699 at least. 6.99 uh are you willing to pay 700 bucks for a nintendo product Mm-mm-mm. that's a hard sell yeah that's a hard sell i wish in in perfect world for me would be okay we got this new switch new system we have it in console mode. We have a console home version. We have a uh, super greatest portable mode. And then we have like a stripped down version where it's not back compat, where it's no cartridge slot and cheaper for the kids out there. So three three flavors out, out the same, same uh, you know, same flavor, just different uh, iterations of the hardware on there so you got a console version you got a, a super greatest portable version where you can play docked and then you got just a portable version so mm-hmm. I'd be kind of curious to see what they do uh, right now the rumors you know and you could take everything with a grain of salt is that uh, they have one uh like switch successor with the cartridge slot and the ability to be able to um you know play normally uh docked and whatnot and then they have a second version of that said soft uh, hardware cheaper without a cartridge slot and possibly unable to play docked so we'll have to see we'll see we will see so also happening in the playstation world since we last recorded that long rumored um redo um a new model for the ps5 finally got announced kind of was shadow dropped a bit because no one kind of rumored it out or leaked it out it was a playstation you know a whole blog entry about the new consoles so so in november uh sony will be bringing out a new model for the playstation 5 and the playstation 5 digital edition on here um basically it's uh the volume has been reduced so it's not as as large 
So it's reduced by more than uh, 30% as far as in volume and, and weight by 18%. Uh, and then the digital version was reduced by 25% on there. So, and there's going to be four separate cover panels on here, a top portion glossy and the bottom matte. And then the internal storage was also upgraded to one terabyte. So before with the um, PS5 that's on the market now, um, you did have one terabyte inside, but the system OS kind of ate up like a good 200 megs basically. 200 gigs uh, on there as far as uh, the OS is concerned. So now you have a full one terabyte on this thing. So, and then the thing about the digital edition is that uh, the rumor that you're able to upgrade it to a disc version is indeed true. There is a separate Ultra HD Blu-ray disc drive that it will be sold separately for $79.99 on there that you could add it on to the digital edition if need be on there. So, and then the price for the uh, PS5 slim or, you know, the new model is going to be the same price, $499.99. Then the digital is going to be $449.99 on there. So kind of got a, a little bit of a price bump on there. Just happened to be with inflation and whatnot, but the, there is no extra juice with this thing no extra processing power it just happens to be smaller and slimmer and then you know it comes with a horizontal looking like plastic kickstand so you could like uh, display it in your uh, you know entertainment center and then the vertical stand you have to buy separately for 30 bucks so so you know it kind of funny that this is long rumored but uh, you know that kind of came out and then everyone's kind of ho-hum about it so, but you know, it's you know, I'm not looking to upgrade mine. You know, I'm not looking to go to the slim model or the uh, updated version. We'll have to see. I mean, I know Digital Foundry is planning on doing some like you know tests as far as performance between the two models and kind of going from there. And so, but uh, you know, you know, I know that's. PlayStation 5 is a big beast on here, so I know some people will probably appreciate the smaller form factor, at least, on here. But uh, with all these rumors for a PlayStation 5 Pro, I ain't about to look for uh, any sort of refresh or <laughs> repurchase of a console, at least for myself on here. I don't know how you two gentlemen feel about it. but I'll let you go first for that, Kev, because that's... I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. For me, I don't need it. Uh, yeah. My like, next per my next purchase is gonna be the PS5 Pro, or the P P PlayStation 6, whichever comes out first. Um, the here's the thing that that I that really doesn't doesn't make sense to me is why release it with the disc built in. Just release the digital version and offer the disk drive as an option. Just reduce the go from two SKUs to one. And you could sell the, you know, you could sell the price, the the add-on uh, disk drive. So if you added the disk drive, it would be the five, what is the 500 bucks? And then just sell the digital at the, at the, at a at a re, it may be a reduced cost. So you in 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 essence just reduce the two SKUs to one. If you want physical media, you just buy the hard you you just drive the buy the player along with it. Uh, 
that's kind of the thing that I don't know. I don't get about that. About unless that. they're unless I, I don't I don't think it's a, I don't think it's like them trying to show up show up um, Xbox because I mean to tell you the God's honest truth if 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 I think if Xbox had done this from the beginning I think it would have been a lot better and would have saved a lot of of uh, heartache. Because the one thing that I'm seeing that just kind of makes this whole thing laugh to me is now they can, they can, the PlayStation can now say that there will be parity across the board regardless because you're still getting everything that's in a regular PlayStation 5. Whereas what Xbox did, of course, was they had the X and the S. So had they just did a discless X you know, and then you could buy it, I think that would have been a lot more reasonable than what they did now. You understand? Yeah. It, it yeah. seems like all this stuff is mm. happening, like, ass backwards to me, you know? It's like, mm. so I get what yeah. you're saying, Kev. It's like, why not just, why not just offer that from the jump, you know? And, it, like, if people are trying to be, you know, consumer-friendly and all this other stuff, wouldn't that be, like, ultimate choice? Hey, here is the most powerful systems that that we have, whether it's Xbox or PlayStation, and they say, "Hey, here you go. Oh, you like physical media? Well, here you go. You can buy this as like a separate thing for like a hundred, two hundred dollars, or whatever. And then you can ever then you can have your media, and you could do that normally. I mean, shit, that's what that's what Apple does all the time. Like all of their PC, all of their computers now. Like I I don't even think all any of them come with with disk drives anymore. You None have to buy do. that." Yeah, you yeah, have to buy that as a, as a separate peripheral. So, like, this whole thing to me is just – it just seems so weird. And 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 I want to – every now and then I want to look at these companies and I want to say, okay, these companies know what's going on. These companies have a grand design that they're doing. They're smart. They're doing what they're supposed to do. It's going to be awesome. And then, like, they do shit like this, and I'm like, what? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but this whole thing just seems like, why now? You know, and then, and then, and then on top of all that, unless, unless this is paving the way for the, for the uh, PlayStation 5 Pro, and then they'll, they'll be like, look, you know, if you want the Pro Pro, that's even better, you know, that will cook you meals, you could buy that, but if you don't and you just want to like kind of be a part of it, well, here's the PlayStation without a disc drive, so you get it for cheaper. Like, is that what they're doing? Like, I guess that has to be the 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 thinking that they're thinking about when when they do this stuff in the boardrooms, you know? Because I know they're trying to hit as many as many market as many um, individual market sectors as as possible you know your 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 low spenders your high spenders you know your joes you know you want to get all those people you know so but damn it just seems like it would cause a lot less confusion if they just would kind of think things through or if they had some they had to do it this way for some reason you know uh i know it's rumored basically or was stated that this basically takes this skew down to one skew with the um h with the um cd-rom attachment or you know basically it's the same model it's just the point that one has the uh you know 
BD-ROM attachment, the other one doesn't. Basically, where before the digital was a different, like you know, the insides were different than the regular PS5 on here. So they're just trying to kind of streamlining their manufacturing process with this new model mm. on there. So, and obviously they've gotten up to where they're able to shrink the uh, overall, you know, length of it and the overall size of it as well. So, I mean, and I, but I just want to see, but now I want to see what the design like for the, for the pro is going to look like. Yeah. You know, because we'll it has see. to be completely different than what they have now. Like if it's and if it's considerable, if it's considerably smaller, uh, and has a nicer form factor, I think that'd be really kind of cool. But please don't make it like a box, like Xbox. Like, like please make it look at least, you know, something you want to look at. Well, I'm the new of... digital X is looks like a like a like a, a what is that Amazon Alexa? It's it's, <laughs> cyl- it's cylindrical. It's not square. Yeah. So they did change it up that way. But I mean, to me, here's my deal. Instead of the way it's marketed, it's still being marketed as a two skew system, even even though I guess in reality, it's just one. It's just marketed It's being marketed as two skews. You got one that, okay. I've got it's the police PlayStation 5 that plays discs. That's SKU number one. And then you got the all digital, which is SKU number two. Even though SKU number one, the only difference between it is that you just bought the 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 drive player all in one box. My whole thing is that they should have just introduced this as the digital and marketed the disc drive as an option. So you should just see one PS5 up there and then have that optical drive clearly displayed as an option that you can get. So that way, whether you're a brand new person coming into PlayStation for the first time and you say, well, you know, I have this thing with physical media. I like having my discs on the shelf. I need to go ahead and get that drive. Or if you're coming in brand new, well, you know, I'm, I, everybody keeps talking about this PS5, how dope it is, but I'm not so sure. I'm digital with all my other stuff anyway. Maybe you're coming from PC. Maybe you're coming from Xbox, whatever. And I'm all digital media all the way. I don't need that drive. This, I, There's only one SKU, so there's no, there's no confusion, quote unquote. You see what I'm saying? Just like have one system up there, that's the digital, and then right next to it, you have that that disk that disk drive clearly displayed as an option that you can add on. Instead of giving me the same two, it's like it's the same thing you did at when the when the system first launched. One launched with digit all digital, no way to add a a uh, physical media component to it. And then you had the, the the PlayStation that had the physical component of ability attached to it. That's the thing that I just find a little bit odd. You know, just I don't know. It it, it it's all it's like we're different, but we're the same. When it's obvious, when it's apparent that it's different, but it's still being marketed as it's the same. That's kind of the part that kind of throws me off a little bit. Imagine the yeah. confusion on the Xbox side of the fence because you got both a Series S that's white, that's 500 
um, gigs, and then you got the black Series S that's one terabyte <laughs> that mm. just came out for an additional. It's like three forty nine. You get the Series S with a terabyte of storage. Then you got yeah. your you know Series X on there. I I don't know why Microsoft didn't just bring out Series X disc and diskless like PlayStation has it because the X you know, should have been the only SKU available. It, they yeah. should have they should have bypassed the S because the S even though they say well that's where 75% of our of our of our sales are coming from it's also what's causing these issues with their third party games like Baldur's Gate you know well we can't give we can't have feature parity across the board because you guys have this lower tiered skew in the same family and that makes things harder not may, not saying that it can't be done, but it makes things harder, makes development times, it extends development times. It was a it was a bad it was a bad decision. Console is supposed to be bonehead simple. You buy the box, you already know what you're going to get. One option, two variants at most. That I mean, that's why I'm not on PC. I don't have to deal with, you know, do my do my drivers match up? Does my NVIDIA card uh, play together with my AMD CPU and my Corsair RAM, and that's attached to my uh, Asus motherboard? I don't have to worry about all that. But you see what I'm saying? It's like the the purpose for console is to make it foolproof. And I guess, yeah, it's foolproof, but it's being marketed the same, in, in PlayStation's case, the same way it was marketed when the system first launched, which I think is odd. And then Xbox comes along and says, well, we're going to give you this lower, this lower tier, and then we're going to give you this higher tier. And I was thinking about this not too long ago while I, while I was on break. I was like, Okay, the the only way the Series S makes sense would be if the only differentiation between the Series S and the Series X was performance. Like, if you got the Series X, you're guaranteed 60 frames per second. If you got the Series S, well, you know, you're 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 going to be at a locked 30 or you're going to be at at you know 1400p. But feature for feature, the ability to do that would still be built into the Series S the same way it's in the X. But that's not the case. There's features that third parties trying to implement in some games that they can't implement on the Series S version and release everything across the board at the same time. Because Microsoft has this built in, there must be parity within, within the SKUs. Yeah, that's the whole Baldur's Gate 3 debacle. So, yeah. Well, we'll have to see what happens, but uh, I just want to mention about the Slim, you know. It's just kind of curious. I'm kind of curious, too, if there's going to be, you know, these heavy discounts that PlayStation's been doing the last few months on these Slim models. You know, they're bringing them right out for Christmas in November, mm-hmm. so we'll see what, uh, what happens with this. I would, I would imagine that there would be some sales for Black Friday. Yeah. But what? But usually, and this is the funny part, 
Usually when you announce your slim, it comes in at a lower price. Not so much this time. Yeah. Inflation and, you know, is what it is. So Uh, also your competition ain't competing like they should be. So you can get away with shit like this. Yeah. You really can. <laughs> let's 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 keep it a buck. Inflation is an issue, yeah, but um, when when you when your when your competition is being outsold two and sometimes three to one, depending, uh, you don't have to <laughs> you don't have to drop price. It's just, it's just sad. You know, I don't know. There needs to be a, a, a good competitor so that stuff like this doesn't happen. Well, speaking of the competitor, um, I do have some Xbox news to mention. Um, so the Activision Blizzard merger with Xbox has finally been completed. So uh, and what did Xbox do to celebrate this? They released a trailer like, you know, like they were like announcing a new game or something like that. So they had like, you know. Uh, a song playing in the background while they're like showing Master Chief and the Forza car and like, you know, <laughs> uh, Starfield, you know, Overwatch and Diablo, you brought up demons and then, of course, Senuous Saga, Hellblade 2 and all their mascots from their various games. Candy Crush is not- notably in this trailer as well. So, so they had to like, you know, basically celebrate their merger uh, with them swallowing another company with a trailer, like they were announcing a new product or something. So, well, Game Pass is the product. Let's you not forget it. that Game Pass is the product. Yeah. So Phil did make an appearance on an Xbox podcast and was talking about the merger, and so they're mentioning the fact that um, there are no Activision Blizzard games coming to Games Pass this year, um, but they have to basically work on. Uh, a lot of the uh, paperwork in the background on there as far as they probably have exclusivities with the different platform holders that Activision previously had in place. And so, yeah, that uh, and Phil is being upfront saying that we're not going to like, you know, shadow drop or announce that these games are coming anytime this year on here. Uh, but we're excited about the future. So his direct quote says, and I know there'll be some disappointment about that, and he's referencing the fact that there's no Activision games dropping on Game Pass since the merger is complete. Uh, this acquisition is definitely long-term, so the fact that we're not hitting day one with a bunch of games dropping into Game Pass is a little bit of a downer, but I'm very excited about the future, and I want to be straight with people That's that that's where we're, we are, So according to Phil on there, so... And, of course, they mentioned, too, with the acquisition of Call of Duty that they are promising 100% parity across platforms. On it. So every gun that's released on PlayStation for Call of Duty will be available on Xbox and also on the Switch. So, mm-hmm. And he wants to make sure that you feel, quote-unquote, I want you to feel 100% a part of the community. I don't want you to feel like there's content you're missing out on, skins you're missing out on, there's timing that you're missing out on. That's not the goal. We're, the goal is 100% parity across all platforms as much as we can for launching content. So, 
So, yeah, um, you continue. We have no goal of somehow trying to use Call of Duty to get you to buy an Xbox console. I want the Call of Duty Nation to feel supported across all platforms. So, so you had to call it the Call of Duty Nation. <laughs> <laughs> preach, Uncle Phil, preach. That is we've like. Been, uh... We've been on the other side of some of those skin deals, and even this beta wasn't on Xbox the first week. I don't think that helps the community. I don't think that helps the gamer. So the focus is if you're a PlayStation player, a Nintendo player, a PC player, an Xbox console player, I want you to be 100% part of the Call of Duty Nation. Hoo ha. That's right. So. <laughs> Hoo ha is right. Yeah. So. Until, until, he, and, and really, what he's really saying is that you're going to be able to play Call of Duty wherever Game Pass exists. That, that, that that's really what he's saying. Come 2024, I even question whether or not it's going to be financially viable to put, put, to put Call of Duty onto Game Pass. Uh, as much money as PlayStation pulls in for 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 that game, I wonder. I wonder. I'm not saying that they won't do it. I'm just saying that I wonder how if if they even if they even can do it. If the numbers I'm seeing that I've seen with regard to since all this nonsense started and all these varying these different numbers posted of how how much is generated off this platform for Call of Duty and that platform, if they were to put it and lock it to a service, yeah, I think that they might actually be cutting off their nose to spite their face. I don't know. Because most of these people, the hardcore players, that are they going to be willing to pay Microsoft? What? Is, how much does Game Pass cost for a month or three months or however? How is it like sixteen bucks a month, fifteen bucks a month, something ten? I don't. I don't know. But if you're only playing Call of Duty and you weren't originally playing it on Xbox or on PC, are you going to jump and and that's your main game and you're not really into anything else? Are you going to subscribe to a service, or are you just would would you just rather just continue to buy the game where you've been playing it because it saves well, you money in the long run? Yeah, uh, sixteen ninety nine is the cost for Game Pass Ultimate per month on here. So obviously, times that by three, and you know I don't even think you're getting any sort of deals unless you like you know VPN your way over to Argentina or something like that. So. <laughs> According to like Best Buy right now, you could get a three month um, card for I think forty nine ninety nine. So yeah, forty nine ninety nine for ultimate membership. So and I'm not even sure if that's saving you from the sixteen ninety nine. Doing the math on that, so yeah, seventeen. No, so yeah, that's saving you like a buck. I think. Thirty-three cents a month. So, uh, I'm I'm grateful we went to um to where did we go Argentina I think does the yes. you know, renew our I was very happy that we were in Argentina. Yeah, we're in Argentina <laughs> to renew our membership. So made that flight just for that. <laughs> you got it. So. I was very happy. Thank you. <laughs> you know it. So, 
But uh, we'll have to see what comes about with all this stuff. I'll be curious next year, like you said, Kev, as far as if Call of Duty will be day and date on Games Pass. I'm pretty sure it will. I'll be kind of curious to see the numbers drop on PlayStation platforms or if people are willing to go out there and buy uh, Xboxes that didn't have Xboxes before just to play Call of Duty or not. You know, I'll have to see how the numbers kind of skew out. To me, I, I think that I would rather, if I was running the business, basically just have it be 100% parity across platforms and let 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 it be separate just like Minecraft is for them you know so well let it see. be let it be you know obviously you want to put on games pass cuz i don't think xbox players are used to buying games anymore so <laughs> they'll so, buy call of, they've been buying call of duty yeah they buy probably, call of duty they've been buying what uh what what's called now ea sports fc the uh, football game so mm-hmm. so i'll have to see about all that business so but you know we're talking about all three major console manufacturers i want to talk about games too in this news so i have one last mention before we go and close the news section out but uh we talked about a f- few episodes ago that got announced for asian territories but it has been locked and confirmed. Earth Defense Force 6 is coming out in the West in spring of 2024 for PS5, PS4, and for the PC, personal computer on here. So no Xbox version, unfortunately. So, you know, Phil, you know, I guess if you really want to bring over the hardcore players, you may maybe want to go out and buy D3 and get EDF <laughs> as a Game oh Pass There you go, buddy. Do oh it. Word. But, uh, yeah, it's finally coming out. So spring of 2024. In fact, uh, I believe they had an EDF6 display out there in New York Comic Con. Uh, they did. I missed it. So, but, uh, yeah, and there was a nice interview in Gematsu with the director of the game and talking about as far as why it took them so long to release uh, um English version and basically what they do when they create this game is that they release it for Japan first and then they get all the DLC. They work on all the DLC. Once the DLC is done, then they then go ahead and and push it over for an English version on there and get the production done. Because, you know, I know other games like, you know, the interviewer was asking, well, other Bandai Namco games are released day and date with english translations and whatnot and uh it was like so you know, <laughs> so and the director actually asked the interviewer do you want d3's publishers games to become like bandai namco games and the, the uh, interviewer says he, he starts laughing and says uh, what do you mean by become like bandai namco's games and he came, came back and said no comment <laughs> started laughing <laughs> So, I think you that know, was some shade. Yep. Little shade, yeah, because, you know, you know, Bandai Namco, that's all about, like, these mass-marketed, yeah, anime, like, you know. I know the uh, new uh, new game, of Flavor, is another arena fighter for uh, Jujutsu Kaisen on here. I know that there's a new arena fighter coming out for that property on there, and it's, it's another, you know, cookie-cutter <laughs> anime-esque bandai namco game so it's just like i'm I'm grateful that bandai namco is just letting d3 do its own thing <laughs> yeah 
you know, this this director, producer of EDF6 is probably like, you know, we're kind of grateful that they're just letting us do what the hell we want to do and just leave it at that, you know, so... D3 kind of releases some crazy-ass games you know, between EDF and Oni Chambara and some other games that have come out, like um, like that crazy-ass zombie game, the Edo game that came out. So, I mean, I think D- D3 has their own flavor, and they probably want to stay under the radar <laughs> as yeah. far as the stuff. So I guess if you want to wait a couple years for EDF 6 to come out in the West, you know, that's it. So it's like let yeah. them cook, leave them alone. It's fine. Let them. Yeah. As long as it comes out, I'm cool. Don't need to rush on my account. I'm good. Yeah, not like there isn't anything. A whole bunch of stuff still to play. Exactly. So it's good. Take your time. Yeah, and they talked about as far as the four classes in EDF six, and there's new classes that were early introduced, and uh, they basically said that they initially in EDF four introduced two new classes due to the um, English developed uh, in EDF Insect Armageddon that they had a spinoff on there, so that's the reason why I think that game had four different types of units, and that's why they introduced uh, the units, but. Uh, they do take a lot of time to balance out the gameplay with all the different uh, classes if need be. So, you know, and that's why they mentioned the fact that, uh, you know, it's a, in the interview, said it's a very complex and difficult thing to do and very hard to balance on there. So, and he said that EDF 7, we haven't even started working on it. So this could all change in the future, but that's the gist of it. So. Mm-hmm. But I can't wait. We'll see. Hopefully there is a physical. I want to get a physical, but it's not going to deter me. I don't have a physical VDF five because it never released timely for the West when the game came out. I will buy this game digitally, however I could get it. Just p- mm-hmm. pump it in my veins. So. Indeed. And that's the Jabroni news for this episode. All right. Game night takes place every Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. That's the day of the week that we set aside to interact with you, the fine folks who are enjoying our podcast, having fun in our Discord. And basically, you can bring any game to the table. Uh, If we don't have it, we can get it. And uh, we'll be able to play right along with you and just kind of hang out and socialize and just kind of just trying to enjoy this community we're trying to uh, build together. Um, and even if you're not even playing a game, you can be doing any nine times out of ten. I'm cooking or doing some other chore before I'm able to hop onto the console. So uh, even if you're not gaming, if you just want to hang out and uh, shoot the crap with us, more than more than able to do that with us every thursday again 9 p.m eastern 6 p.m pacific so you might be asking well how do we go about doing that how do we become a part of it that's the easy part you just hop on to the app formerly known as twitter and go to at gaming vessels g-a-m-i-n-g-v-e-s-s-e-l-s click the link in our description and you're in so there's no discord tier not not discord but uh patreon tier list to pay for no waiting period uh we don't need to uh give you any kind of social media social media credit score (laughs) before we let you in 
like some of the some of these other places do. Just be a good person. Likes talking about video games, uh, enjoying. Uh, other folks like-minded, i.e. meaning that they like talking about and playing video games as well. We've got a mix of opinions on the industry, on the gaming scene, period, and all are freely expressed uh, minus the insults and the put-downs and all the stuff that takes place on those much bigger social media uh areas i know i myself have withdrawn from uh the app formerly known as twitter considerably i'm i am uh not on it at all because of uh spoilers for spider-man 2 which which prompts me to mention a uh public service announcement for folks uh spoilers are being heavily distributed uh for spider-man 2 and the messed up part is that it's being the spoilers are coming through in uh, the names of the account. So like oh. uh, you know, Miles buys bread at the bodega. If that is a spoiler point, then people are creating new accounts and putting that in and in as the name of the account. So people just be so mean. Yeah. So then when you it just comes up even though you have. All of your search things, there is an it, it does not cover names of accounts. What you can do is you can, I believe you can block accounts that either A don't have a profile picture attached or B have are brand new. But what some of the more uh uh more determined fools are doing who have existing accounts they are changing their names to spoilers and so it still kind of pops up on your feed so i am i have just dropped x cold turkey uh i ain't even messing with it until i i finish spider-man 2 i'm not gonna be on there at all so public service service announcement for those uh, who might be concerned and this also happened for starfield as well uh, I don't care what box you you champion. If you do stuff like that, you're just a stupid person. Uh, you're a mm. mean person, <laughs> and you should do something more constructive with your free time. So you know, I'll step off my soapbox with regard to that. But that being said, that's going to bring episode two and a quarter to a close. Uh, so for Des. A.K.A. the Bay Area Terror, A.K.A. the High Res Lover. That's me. A.K.A. the Cat Daddy, A.K.A. that Gamer Step Daddy, and for Trader Joe, A.K.A. Jabroni Chief. That's me. But you might also know him as the Food Max of Gaming, who can maximize your gaming dollar. I am Shonoff Seventy One, A.K.A. Digadulamite. Purple bling bling, y'all. And we will be back next time, episode two twenty six for your ears. Peace.